Good morning. Oh, you can do better than that. Good morning. All right. Well, my name is Matt Help. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View Church. I just want to welcome you this morning if you're joining us for the first time. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're so glad you've decided to worship with us this morning. Uh, we have something really special for you this morning. One of our ministry partners, we prayed for him this morning at his church summit church, which is just right down the road. Um, we've been partnering with Summit Church for years now. We're so thankful to have a partner close to us who's um, sharing the gospel and reaching the community uh, along with us. We partner with them with the uh, North Canton Cares Pantry. So if you've ever served in the North Canton Cares Pantry, you've been to Summit Church, you've seen their church. If you haven't, you should. It's a great time and it's just awesome to serve our community in that way. Um, we've done other ministry events with them as well, but um, before I invite Tom up, I just wanted to share with you, one of our leaders is really going through a hard time. Amber Bowling leads, and her husband Chad lead the Reflect Ministry, which is our outreach ministry here. And um, she is in the hospital right now. She had surgery yesterday for blood clots. Um, if you don't know, there's been kind of a rough year, year and a half where she's had COVID twice. She has long lasting effects from the first time that she's been through COVID. She broke her leg to both bones in her leg about a week and a half ago and now has blood clots and had surgery yesterday. So what we want to do is just to take a moment and lift her and her family up in prayer together. Uh, let's do that as a family here. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We worship you this morning. We worship you every day with our lives. But we recognize your power, your greatness, your sovereignty. You are our healer, your word says, Father. So we pray that you would come and be with Amber. Heal her body, Father. We pray that uh, the medications and the treatments that the doctors have given her would work better than expected. Father, we pray for your hand, your hand. We pray that you would give the doctors wisdom that you would uh, uh, have a quick recovery for Amber. And Father, we pray that you would be with her family, the kids and Chad. Father, give them courage, give them strength, endurance to walk through this with her. And we pray for us as a church family. Help us to come up around them, to support them, to love them well, Father. We just offer this entire situation to you, and we thank you that you are God that we can come to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Tom, come on up, man. It's great to have Tom here with us. When I moved here four years ago, um, I tried to get together with as many pastors in the area that I could. And I remember that first meeting that I had. Tom was one of like three pastors that showed up from the 20 that I invited. And ever since, we've been uh, quick friends. And uh, we meet together about once a month. We pray together. We talk about our churches and how we can share the gospel better, reach our community better. So I'm so excited that he's here um, to share God's word with us this morning. Why don't you give him a warm Mission View welcome. You know, I think it's weird um, for a pastor to be in another place to worship. Um, mostly because, and I'm sure Matt can relate with this, you're always focused on what you have to do, what you have to do. And for me to just be able to sit here and worship along, by the way, the worship team was amazing. And uh, I was like, Matt, when did they practice before the, you know, we said, well, Sunday mornings. I remember those days because we used to be a mobile church. Um, but to be able to sit there and worship with you, and 99% and, and of you, I don't, even, I don't even know you. But I feel like this is 
family in the sense that in Christ we're unified. And Matt has become a good friend, and I appreciate him inviting me here. This is not the first time I've been here. Um, way back in the day, I think I've been here twice to speak uh, when, when Steve was a pastor, and I'm thankful that this relationship with Matt is continuing. Um, I'd like us to, to think about that last song that was, I grew up in church. I grew up in um, Independent Fundamental Baptist Church in North Carolina. And in uh, that song that we just sang, even though it was kind of a rendition uh, of a newer version, I just, in my own soul, felt like there's something that we all need to be asking God, is our soul well with him? Because, you know, t- today, as you sit here, everybody walks in with different things. I know we all put a smile on our face because that's what we're supposed to do when we come to church, Right? Nobody wants to be the one where, how are you doing? Well, it's been a terrible week. Nobody wants to be that person. But I know that everybody that walked in here, everybody has different burdens. And some of you, those burdens are not worn on the outside, but some of the biggest struggles that we go through are things that maybe we struggle with in our minds and our hearts. And my prayer today is that as we sing the words, it is well with my soul, that it's not that, that everything always makes sense in life because we know that's not the case but that we can sing that because we know the one who is in control. And so I just want to pray that God will quiet our hearts today, that regardless of what is happening in our lives, that God would get the attention that he deserves and the worth that he deserves. So will you pray with me as we kind of jump in also to the message? God, I do thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given Mission View and the Summit Church to be partners together because God, really, this is not about a a competition with churches. We're we're all here to do the same thing, what you've called us to do in making disciples. And I pray today for the individuals that have taken time out of their schedules to gather together corporately with the body of Christ. And I know that there are some that maybe didn't wanna come today Maybe there are just things that are happening or going on in their lives that just have weighed them down. And God, I think we we all have probably been there, especially over the last couple years. There have been a lot of things going on in our world, in our lives, a lot of transitions that we've made. And at times, God, has just been really difficult to say or even sing the words, it is well with my soul. And God, this time may be, for some people, the only quiet time that they get as an individual to just focus their attention on you. Maybe their lives have just been go, 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 go. They've never just had, over the past couple of days, just time to, to sit with you. So I pray for a quieting of our souls, God. I don't take it lightly that I get to stand in another place speaking to a group of people that mostly I do not know. But I'm so grateful, God, for the scriptures. 
And they're trustworthy, they're authoritative, they're relevant, they carry through every generation. And even though the things that we read about happened thousands of years ago, you have not changed. And so in this moment, God, I pray for a quieting of our hearts, that the burdens that we carry Maybe they're not going to leave us, but you would give us the strength that we need. God, give me the words to say. I, I know I'm just one person with, kind of as Paul says, just feeble words, but it's not the creativity of the speaker, but it's your word that changes hearts and lives. So I pray that the Spirit would take the Word and enable us to to do your will. That we might walk away from here a changed people in one area or many. And as Mission View is on the cusp of making what I would say is a major transition in their church life, that you might remind them What is of value to you? So God, we thank you for this time. We pray that you would be, your presence would be here with us. Thank you for Christ who paid the penalty for our sin, that he was buried, that he resurrected to give us hope, not just in this life now, but in this life to come. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. A couple years ago, I started having some health problems. And I'm, this year I'll be 48 years old. And we're transitioning into a different time of life. Our, our kids, I have a son that's getting married in May. Uh, and I have a daughter that is already on campus at, at Kent State, main, main campus, and we feel a little bit weird, but a couple years ago, I started having these health problems. And you think, you know, at certain ages, health problems are just something that you experience. But when you're in your 40s, you, you kind of think, well, I'm okay for right now. Like, I get the body aches and stuff. Like, when you wake up some mornings, you're like, what did I do yesterday? Why am I sore? Why is my back sore? Why can I hardly get out of bed? So those things are kind of normal. But, but I started having some health problems that were a little bit out of the realm of what's normal for a 40-year-old. And so for a year and about a half, we were trying to sift through what was happening uh, in, in, in my life. Because there were points in my life at that time when I felt so low that I, I, just, I just wanted all of it to be over. And through a series of a year and a half of tests, uh, we discovered that I have something called Crohn's disease. Now, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands because that's something really weird, right? It's like to admit you have Crohn's disease, but I have Crohn's disease. And so for a year and a half, I was, the, the suffering was extreme. Now, again, I'm, I'm saying that there's a lot of people that go through a lot worse. I mean, I think of this young lady, that family that you prayed for this morning. God, be merciful to that family But there are points where I was going through this where it was just so weighty. And I remember that 
my son was graduating from high school and I felt like I was at one of those moments with this, with this disease that it was just getting the best of me. I was so miserable. And finally, after kind of wrestling through some of the, the things that can help treat this disease, uh, the doctors were able to get it under control, but there was a catch. I had to start taking these shots. And like, I know you don't know me, but I hate shots. Those of you like get tattoos and stuff like that, like my wife has a few tattoos. And I'm just like, why, why, would, why would you do that? It's like getting a thousand shots in your leg, arm, whatever. How many of you have tattoos? Sorry, that, that labels you, all right? Labels all of you. So expect we have an altar call after that, you'll come forward for that one. So I just started taking these shots and I, I've never liked shots ever in my entire life. But now I have to take them every two weeks. And it was a big transition because when I went to the doctor, they're like, okay, here's, you need to learn to give these to yourself. And I was like, uh, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not giving myself a shot. Uh, my wife committed for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, and sickness and in health, she's gonna give me my shot because I just, I can't work up the courage to do it. There's never a time where I've looked at that shot and I'm like, I, I, I can do that. Not one time. So every two weeks, my wife, it's, it's become her enjoyment, I think, personally. I have an entire ritual that I go through because that's how much, anybody else hate shots a lot, like really bad? How many of you don't mind them at all? All right, wow, I must be a wimp, all right? Because there's a lot of strong people here at Mission View, all right? I mean, so I have this whole ritual that I go through because I knew I had to take these shots to keep me kind of in the, the, the right health mode. So I, I tell my wife, because the shot has to be refrigerated. So I set it out, because if it's too cold, it'll burn and all that kind of stuff. So I put ice on my leg for about 20 minutes, because they say it's better to give it to me in the stomach, and I haven't gotten to that place, but give it to me in my leg. So I put ice on here, and then I get all the stuff ready, and I tell Leah, my wife, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. But I go get a pillow, <laughs> I put in my earbuds, because it's, a, it's one of those shots that clicks, it's like a pen. And when, I, when, that, when it clicks, I just know it's getting ready to hurt because whatever, whatever it has in it burns when it goes in. So I'm literally, I'm, a, I'm a, almost a 48 year old man. Like if you guys came to my house, everybody come on over next time I get a shot. I'm laying on the couch or the bed. My wife is there with a pen. I've got a pillow over my face. Probably the only time I listen to rap music, I gotta listen to something that distracts me, okay? And, and I just do this and I, it's like, I'm like, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready. And she gives me the shot. And for about 10, 10 seconds, it burns going in. And it has been a transition for me in my life, going from like feeling really healthy to now, every two weeks, I have to go through the same ritual. Every two weeks. And I don't love transitions, but I tell you what, I've been through a lot of transitions in my life. Some of them good, some of them bad, um, but I wanna talk about transitions today. And if you have your Bible, uh, whether that's in a physical Bible, if you have a tablet or a phone, we're just gonna be in Deuteronomy 34 and Joshua 1. And we're not gonna talk, one of the things that you know, I wrote to, to my, with, a, with a staff this morning, and I, I said, I feel like my message is, is so simplistic in, in nature I just asked them to pray for me. 
Because I, again, I don't know you. I know what you're getting ready to enter into as a church, and it's a transition. And honestly, it's a transition that, that we as a church made about seven years ago. Uh, when we launched in 2008 as a church, we were a mobile church just like you guys. We were meeting in a movie theater, which was great because, like, what's better than going to church and smelling popcorn at the same time? Like, you can't, I mean, offering baskets, their popcorn buckets, wonderful. And then we transitioned to the YMCA in green. And then in, in 2015, we were graciously gifted a building right around the corner. It was a $1.2 million property that was just given to us. They, they signed over the deed to us. And transitioning from a mobile church to a permanent facility, talking about the joy of the Lord, we would drive in a van every week, set up kids' areas. We would transfer. Now, you guys are lucky because you have your chairs here. We had to set up our chairs every week. So be thankful for that, okay? Every single week, set them up, tear them down. Everything fit into a van and it was parked in this, this location that was safe and every week somebody had to go get the van, drive it. it, it and the van, by the way, was not real. It, it was on its last leg for a long time. But I remember being a church where you guys are right now. And you're about to hit this transition that I believe can be difficult but the thing that I think, again, I'm talking from a little bit of experience, not holistic experience, but a little bit of experience is, is this transition for you from this facility into a permanent facility is a transition that you're gonna love, but if you're not careful as a church, you're gonna worship the building. Now, some of you know, I mean, some of you get here early. You get here way early. You set up uh, all this. I mean, this, this is just not here throughout the week. And again, I remember those times you set up your sound equipment, all this stuff. And I mean, like, who, who wheels this in? I mean, it wouldn't be me, obviously. Look at my arms. I mean, who does this stuff? It just doesn't happen. And some of you walk in here and you enjoy all the things that have been set up. But the thing that I fear for any church that's transitioning from a mobile church where kind of like all hands are on deck is there's some people that would become comfortable in that transition. Or you would almost look at it in a way like, and I'm not saying this in a weird way, but we have arrived. We finally moved out of this facility that's this, not ours into a permanent facility. And I guess from, from one person to another, my goal today is to talk about that it, this transition has the opportunity to allow you to be a greater witness in our community and beyond, or it has the opportunity to lull you to sleep into comfort and apathy. Now, I know that maybe you've never thought about that before, but I've watched our own church transition because there is something significant about moving into a facility. Now, when we go into the scriptures, and my, my fear is always when you, our church is, is, is like your church, and we move through, I think you guys are going through the Gospel of Mark right now, and 
We, we initially talked about me talking about the gospel of Mark. You guys were going to be in Mark chapter 3. And, it, and then I took a look at the passage, and I'm like, okay, this is talking about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I know that that can be an opinionated subject. So I was like, Matt, you can handle that one. I'll come in, talk about something that maybe you won't get Monday morning emails about, okay? <laughs> but within the framework of this transition in Scripture, there are a lot of transitions. And so one of the things I, I fear is like, because you are an expository church, because you move through the scriptures, it's hard to just drop in as a pastor and, and just you know, speak a message and then leave. I'm, a, I'm the type of person that wants to give some background, and I'm not going to have a lot of opportunity to do that today, unless you guys have a couple hours, um, but I'm sure you've got lunch plans. But in Deuteronomy chapter 34 into Joshua chapter 1, we have a transition that is taking place that's significant. And it's a change of leader. And I'm not, I'm not trying to necessarily compare the, the transition of a leader with what's happening right now. But what I'm trying to bring our attention to is that in transition, God remains the same. So whether you're meeting in Hoover High School or you're meeting in your own beautiful facility, I had the chance to tour it, but it wasn't quite as beautiful as it's going to be in a couple weeks. But this transition that you're going through, we have to remember that God is the same God as you sit here as he will be when you move into your building. And in the transition that I want to look briefly at today, in Deuteronomy 34 and then Joshua 1, I want to give you a couple truths. I can, I can never say that word, so I'll spell it T-R-U-T-H-S. I can never say that word properly. I want to give you um, three things, three truths that you need to remember in transition. Number one is that God absolutely remains the same. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 1. We're going to look at verse 1, verse 4. It says, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which was probably a ridge there, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land. Now, I'm not assuming that everybody knows this, but, but God in Genesis 12, if you're looking for like the building levels in scripture, what, what are the most significant? And again, all, all scripture is equally um, inspired by God, but there are some passages or some verses that are significant. And so when you look at the layers, Genesis 3.15 is significant. That's the first place that the gospel is preached. And we see God promising to send a savior. But then we see a continuation of that promise when God has a conversation with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three, it says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred in your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In this passage, God makes three promises to Abram. He promises three things. And if you're taking notes, write these down. A land which is really what we're looking at today in, in, in Deuteronomy 34 in Joshua 1. 
He promises a nation, to make of them a nation. But most significant out of this is a leader or uh, uh, someone that would bless all peoples of the earth. And if we fast forward a couple thousand years, Galatians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, Paul, when he's writing to the church at Galatia, he says, in the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. And listen to this, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So this was significant. So when God, and again, it's, it's a sad story that Moses can't enter into this land that was promised. But the promise was not just about land and a nation, but it was about a leader. It was about a savior, someone who was promised to bring blessing. And Paul says that this was the gospel being preached beforehand to Abraham. So when both of them are, are looking out and Abraham is, or Moses is able to see this land that he would never be able to enter into, we see God reminding of the promise. Hey, Moses, even though you're not gonna be able to enter into this land, I promised this land and I'm gonna keep my promises. It, it, it reminds us that in any transition that we go through, God never changes. He's always the same. And when we go through our own transitions in life, sometimes those are good transitions. Sometimes those are difficult transitions. But God remains the same. But we, humanly speaking, so many times when we go through a transition, we kind of question, is God the same? Now, I know we never, we never say that out loud because we're church people, right? But in our minds, there are some times where we come to these, this, this crossroads and we wonder, God, are you the same? And we read these stories of how God worked in the children of Israel, his people. And we see the miracles that he did. And we wonder, is God the same God? Now, I'm not saying go home and try to part the Red Sea or something like that. If you have a creek in your backyard or whatever pond. But I'm saying that God is the same God. Meaning that who he is here, he is now. And so as you're in this building, even though it's not your building, God is the same God. The, the promises that he has made to you, to the church, it will be the same when you move into a building. So secondly, <clears throat> Transition, transition often requires us to move beyond the past. Look at Joshua 1.1. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun. Now, I grew up in a Baptist church, and, and you know, you, you always got to stop and make a joke there, but I won't, right? Whose son was he? It was nobody's son. Um, some of you will get that later. Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Now listen, and, and I'm not trying to read into this, but it just seems so matter of fact that this is what God gave to Moses to write. Verse two, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. 
the fact, and, and again, we know that Moses wrote these first five books, and so how he wrote about his own death, you know, who knows how that could have happened. God is God, and so he potentially could have given this ahead of time. We don't know, but it's revealed here in Scripture. Or somebody else could have written this on his behalf. But what we see here is just, it's like matter of fact to me. Like when somebody dies, it, it, and again, I know that there's some things and, and, and they mourn for him for 30 days. And for most people, it would have been only seven days, but Moses was loved by the people. But it just seems until matter of fact, like Moses, my servant is dead. Okay, Joshua, time to take over. It's like, what? What kind of transition is that? I think there's a lesson to be learned here that, that when God has a purpose, God has a plan, sometimes that means you just move beyond what was in the past into what God has for you in the future. Now, at our church, we never call anybody old, ever. Okay, I wouldn't be here today. There are some people that probably would kill me if I called them old. We call them seasoned people. And some of y'all have been around, y'all, I am from the South, been away from there a long time. But some of you have been around here for a long time. Maybe you've been here from, since the beginning of the church. Some of you were from Maranatha, you came over with the church. And again, I can say this because I don't know, Matt doesn't, we don't talk bad about you, you know, he doesn't talk bad about Mission View, I don't talk bad about the summit. But one of the difficulties within a church is sometimes moving beyond the past. Because, and, and it, we could get into some things like why, why, don't, why did nobody know where Moses was buried? And was it because the people might have a tendency to go and worship at his grave? I, I don't know. But there is a point that Hoover High School in this time as a church is, and again, I hate saying this because I'm not, I'm not trying to read into this passage, but there, there's, there's where the past is dead. Not that we don't learn or not that we don't know that God is faithful from the past. But at some point, we've, we've got to move on. And I think Moses, my servant, is dead. Now Joshua is taking over to lead us into the next place. Some of you have difficult, difficulty with hanging on to the past. Some of you maybe have not gotten over what has happened through the years here at church. Not bad things, but just you guys have been through some difficult things as a church. And some of you may sit around a table and talk about, well, we used to do this and we used to have this and we used to do this and Matt doesn't do this. I'm, again, I don't, he doesn't say any of that. But there is a point when the past has to be left in the past for what God has for the future. And if God remains the same, that means what he's promised to do, he will carry out. And it doesn't, it, again, it doesn't matter who the leader is, right? Moses transitioned to God. This was about God. This was God's story. This wasn't the story of Moses. This wasn't the story of Joshua. This was God's story. He was writing the story. And I think that why it seems to me so matter of fact is because God was saying, okay, this part of our history is done. Now we're moving on. I made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jake. I said, I'm gonna give you land. I'm gonna make of you a nation. 
I'm going to give you a leader, a savior that will bless all peoples of the earth. And I'm going to keep that promise. It doesn't matter if Moses is the leader. It doesn't matter if Joshua is the leader. It doesn't matter who it is. This is his story. He's writing the story. And so therefore, if we're hanging on to the past, God wants us to move beyond that. And here's, here's, here's something else that we need to realize, another truth in transition. And that is this. God's, and I think this is where I, I think this is where I really want to challenge you. God's word doesn't stop in transition. So we have this transition taking place from Moses to Joshua, but there were two guiding things. To Joshua, God gave important instructions. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God's word doesn't stop in transition. And I want, I want us to recognize that the focus of what would be what, something that would sustain Joshua as a leader were the scriptures, were, were the commandments, were, were the, was the law. And I know Mission View Church, and I am thankful as I stand here today, I am thankful for the commitment you have to the scriptures. We're going to talk about this in, in just a second. But I think it's significant that as this leadership was, was transitioning from Moses to Joshua, that God reminded him, it, it, it is my word, my words that will determine what happens. My work won't stop and transition, but this book of the law, it should not depart from your mouth. Meditate in it day and night. And that word meditate carries the idea of knowledge that leads not to just I'm, I'm filling my head with as much knowledge as possible, but knowledge that leads to action. And we can celebrate the fact that we read the scriptures and you might be in a daily reading plan, but if, those, if, if God's word doesn't translate into action, then what we're doing is useless. You might check off a list and say, well, I've read through the Bible this year. What have, what have we done with that? And so I find it significant that God's word doesn't stop in transition, but the key in God talking to the leader who would be the leader over the people of Israel is a commitment to the word of God, to the book of the law, that it would sustain, that, 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 that he would walk in obedience. But notice also what he talks to the people about. Verse 10, and Joshua commanded the officers of the people Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. The instructions to the people were prepare. Now, now again, we're not, 
the church and, and, and the people of Israel, we, we cannot embrace the promises that were made to the people of Israel. Now, if there's a principle of God that's transferable, then that's one thing. But we're not here to claim the promises of, of Israel, that were given specifically to Israel. That leads to a lot of dangerous places and things that we see like in the prosperity gospel. Promises that are being claimed by the modern day church that were given specifically to Israel. We're gonna be careful about that. But the transferable principle here is that when God is leading and guiding in a transition, we need to be people that are prepared for what he has in store for you. And if I can close in this way, and I wanna give you, I guess, some really, what I would call practical advice. And this is, this is advice from someone that definitely doesn't know it all. I've been in ministry since 1998 and I made a lot of stupid decisions, mistakes, uh, leadership. I, I mean, look back on, on my, there's just a lot of things up and down, up and down. But I believe that, that God has shown me a couple of things that as you transition as a church, that you need to hang on to. Because it's gonna be, it's gonna be a fun ride as you guys transition into this building. It's gonna be a lot of fun. And all the worship team and people that set up and turned out said, amen. But as I said before, you've got to guard against comfort and apathy. And if I can challenge us here in, in closing with just a couple of things that you, and, and really equally our church needs to value, let me just give you these things practically speaking. Number one, doesn't matter if you're in Hoover High School or the beautiful new building that you're moving into. The first thing you need to value, I'm not saying that these are in necessarily order of priority. All these things are probably to some degree in equal priority. But you need to value the scriptures. And one of the values that we have at our church is the Holy Spirit of God and the word of God enable us to do the will of God. There is just, there is just so, like, like when I look back at my life, there are, there are these certain places, I'm not saying it happens every day because it doesn't, I'm not trying to, but there are, there are these certain times in my life when God confirmed something to me through the scriptures and the spirit that it was so clear that I could not ignore it. Let me just give you a, a real story. And I know this is, this is online, so you guys can edit this out later, right? So the story of our church is that we were started in, in 2008 as a campus of another church. And as we kind of got further into it, we started to discover that there were maybe a little bit different visions. And I had worked at that church for 14 years. And we started trying to you know, work through these 
they, they, were, they were not doctrinal differences, but just differences and maybe secondary issues, and we started trying to work through these things. And as we were doing that, we discovered that it was something that we weren't going to be able to work through. So, so basically, we said, hey, can, can you just let us go? And we started in August, and they graciously, goodness sakes, graciously allowed us to go out on our own as, as an autonomous church. But August 1st of 2012, our church started with not a dime to our name. We had no checking account. We had no bylaws. We had, we had nothing. We had no, basically no name, no, all this stuff. And going to open up a checking account, one of our guys that we had thrown together a, a team, because again, when you're at campus, all that leadership comes from the other church. We sat, there was like five of us, we sat in this, this little room in the bank. And they're like, well, to open a checking account, you got to have money. And I was like, well, I didn't, I didn't bring any. I thought you just opened a checking account. And one, a guy opened up his checkbook and wrote a check for $250. And that was the first offering to our church. And through all these things that we've been through over the last several years, you know, I've discovered is that God's word and the spirit working together enable us to do the will of God. There are some times when things are so clear that you should do this, that God takes care of you. And I was nervous about this transition because, I mean, I've never done anything like this before. And so I would go back to the scriptures and say, God just can confirm this. And God gave me a story that was in Acts. And, and I, don't, I don't know that I was looking for the story. It was there. I was actually doing a Bible reading plan at that time. And in the morning that we decided that this is the direction we were going, it was the story in Acts where there was some division between leaders. And God in that moment, through the scriptures and the spirit, let me know what he wanted us to do. And that's not a special thing for pastors. The glorious and wonderful thing is you hold the same scriptures in your lap that I do. And as you all transition from, from this building that's not your own to one that is, can I challenge you to value the scriptures? Not, 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 just, not just Sundays pulling them out. Man, there should be a, a commitment and a love for the scripture. Because this, this is the way that God reveals himself to us. If you're sitting here, you're middle school or high school, you're like, well, I'll wait till I, no, no, don't wait till you get a little bit older. Start now. I had a Sunday school teacher, the old school Sunday school teacher. We had Sunday school, we had service, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday night visitation. Basically, we, were just, we just slept at the church. But I had a Sunday school teacher that, that challenged me about reading the scriptures when I was 13 years old. He said he would buy us a steak dinner if we did it for a month. So I found the shortest chapters in Psalm. This is terrible to admit. And I would read them every night, every night. Because uh, there are a couple, you know, very short Psalms. But it's where I started reading the scriptures. And if you're young here, and young I know is a relative term, it's, it's, but if you're young here, can I challenge you? Can I beg you 
to open up the scriptures. And I know that you might go, well, I don't understand everything. Well, I'm almost 48 and I don't either. So we're in the same boat. But when you open this up the scriptures, you're giving God the opportunity to speak into your life. There's so many voices speaking into our lives. And if you're a student or a young adult in here, I wanna challenge you. I wanna challenge you now to listen to the voice of God. You say, where, where, where do I hear that voice? In the scriptures. When, when Paul was writing to the young pastor Timothy, he writes these words. All scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness or training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Hang on to those scriptures. If you're 12 or if you're 85, hang on to those words because the scriptures tell us Doctrine, what is right, reproof, that's what is wrong. Correction, it's how to get things right. Instruction and righteousness, that's how to keep things right. Now, what else do you need in life? What is right, what is wrong, how to get things right when you mess it up, and how to keep things right in your life. And Paul's writing to the young pastor Timothy and says, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable or beneficial and if I could challenge this church and the Summit Church with anything, it's value the scriptures, not just as they're preached from this pulpit, or not this pulpit very much longer. You guys taking this one over? Oh, you are? Awesome. All right. I like it. I was actually going to ask you if we could have it. All right. We, have, we just have one on Amazon that every time if I lean on it, it like goes over to the side. And so. But it's sentimental now, right? Value the scriptures. When you walk into, your, into this room over the next couple of weeks and then you walk into your building, be ready for that time by having listened to God throughout the week. You see, if, if we walk into a church and we start complaining about stuff and this and that, chances are we just probably haven't been listening to God during the week. I mean, I love getting together. Our church is not perfect. And I mean, is this church perfect? Okay, just saying. He said it, not me, all right? But I love gathering with the church. I do. My, my parents from a young age instilled that into it. just love the church. And I know it's hard and complicated sometimes to get along with people. Well, the word of God, spirit of God, enable us to do the will of God. If God's called us to love, he'll enable us to do that. Value the scriptures. Secondly, value grace. And this is, this is a big one. I know we're always scared to go too far one way or the other, aren't we? In a church I know, Matt, you struggle with that. The leader, the elders here, you probably struggle through that. Like, where is the line sometimes with, with grace? And Paul, you know, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But I always go back to what grace looks like in action, especially as relating to someone who is caught up in sin. In Galatians chapter 6, 1, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... 
You who are spiritual, kick them out of the church. It doesn't say that, just in case you're wondering. You who are spiritual should restore. That's something that has been separated, putting back together. Restore him in the spirit of what? Gentleness. Why? We keep watch on yourself or ourselves, lest you too be tempted. There's a big difference in the culture that we live in between celebrating sin and struggling through it. Now, if a person's celebrating their sin, and I'm not, I'm not gonna get into issues here, that's it's not my place. It's one thing when a person has a, a sin in their life and they're celebrating that sin. When God specifically says something is wrong or it's a sin, and a person's celebrating that or trying to get people to embrace that sin, that's a problem. But I'll take somebody who struggles through their sin. And that's where grace comes in. And when Paul writes and he says, if, if anybody's overtaken in a transgression, you who are spiritual, and I don't think this is trying to give the label, it's kind of like the Romans 14, the, the strong and the weak brother. I don't think it's a negative connotation here. But he's saying those who care about people, those who, who want to see people walk in the right way, you approach that person in a spirit of gentleness, not in pride, not in arrogance, because Paul reminds us, you consider yourself lest you also be tempted. My mom always used to say this. Not, this is not Bible, but this was good. We would say, as kids, we'd say, well, I would never do that. She'd say, don't say that, because now you might do it. Let's, let's never get into this mode where we're watching the news or we're seeing the people around us and we're thinking in our hearts, I would never do that. That's it's arrogance and that's pride. Anybody in here is capable of the most grotesque sins that we can think of. But can I challenge you as a church to be a church that's filled with grace? And when you see somebody that's struggling through their sins, come alongside them. Don't stiff on them. Don't, don't keep them at a distance. Because in the church, that's sometimes our tendency is when somebody doesn't measure up to what we think they should be, we just cast them to the side. The Bible says, no, you, you come alongside that person. And, and what is the ultimate example of grace? Jesus. Romans 5. None of us deserved, but he loved us so much that in spite of our sin, he invited us to be a part of his family. So value the scriptures, value grace, value people. A building is worthless without people. Don't worship your building. And can I challenge you with this? When we ask God, when God graciously gave us that building and property, you know what we, we ask God to do? We say, God, show us a way that we can serve our community. Show us how we can use this building for people to show them love. 
you know, because for years we were asking, you know, we didn't have a property or building. We, you know, movie theater, the YMCA that we met in, you know, you get it for like you guys do, a couple hours and then that's it. Now I realize that church is people, not a building. But if God gives you this facility, then you find ways. If you're an elder in here, I don't know who all the elders are. But I realize that there's policies, there's procedures. But again, understand me here. We should value people over policies. Now, I know some of you are like, here's what I'm saying. Policies and procedures guide and direct us. But they better be made with a love for God, a love for people. And when you guys are determining like what things go and what things don't go with your building and how you're going to use it, beg God to to, to, to show you ways that you can use this facility for the glory of God. Last thing, and we're done. Value making disciples. And I want to end here basically because this is what we're all called to do. Whether you're here in Hoover High School or whether you're in your new facility, we gather in a place to scatter. The church is not the facility. There are the gathering places of the church, but we gather in this place to scatter to be the church. And before Jesus ascends into heaven, he says in the Gospel of Matthew, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hoover High School, new building. The Great Commission does not change. Go make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them to observe. Don't, don't, don't forget this. Church is a place for messy people. And I, this, this term got kind of muddy in like the 80s and into the 90s. But I think that, that Mission View and the Summit Church should be churches that are come as you are churches. But we come as we are because God doesn't want us to leave like that. Everybody should be welcome into the doors of this church. But the anticipation is that they come as they are. But through the scriptures and through the word and through the spirit, they're changed. I got to tell you, a couple weeks when you guys move into your new building, it'll probably be one of the most exciting things I think it was for us. It was the most electrifying time of gathering as a church. And I know that we as a church, we're excited because we've lived your pain. There was a lot of good things that we learned. But as a church, it's like two miles down the road from me. I don't even know if it's two miles when you guys move into your new place. I can genuinely say that Mission View Church and Summit Church 
We're on the same path together. Our stories are relatively similar. And I am, I am genuinely excited for what's getting ready to happen. And I want you guys to anticipate in this transition that God's not just moving you into a new building, but he's transitioning you into a place where honor and glory can be given to him and people's lives ultimately can be changed. Will you pray with me? God, I am so honored to be standing in a, a place that, that is not necessarily my own church. And really, I mean, church is not any human beings. We know it's your church. In this moment, God, I pray over this church that they, in this transition from a place that's not their own to a place that is their own, that it would become a place where the gathering of your people is proclaimed among our community, that people would see the difference that you have made in our lives through your grace and your mercy that's bestowed on us through Christ. I know there's a lot of work to be done before they move into this building, but help them to remain focused on what you've called them to do. Help them not to lose sight of those things which are of great or should be of great value to them. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.